fans and welcome to episode 67 of Jeff Reads His Book. I'm your host Jeff and today we're reading chapter 20 of Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month. So if you want to get in contact with me, you can head on over to jeffreadshisbook.com. Yes, right there. There's three ways to contact me or you can listen to the shows from previous episodes and get some wrong email addresses and that kind of bullshit. But while you're there, why not consider buying a copy of one of the prequels to the story we're reading today? That's right, folks. They're terrible, and they're for sale on Amazon. So we don't have any feedback this week. Uh, It's been weeks since there's been feedback. Months? Months, I'd say. Uh, I mean, we're on Chapter 20. Probably, I don't know, maybe around Chapter 3 we had feedback? (laughs) It's all right, though. Everybody's got things going on. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah. So how's your week been out there, listeners? Mine's been all right. Uh, We've had kind of a tumultuous time because our kitchen is no longer operable while uh, we get some work done in there. So uh, we've been, you know, tossed around a little bit here. So we're currently cooking in in our sunroom on a hot plate or on the grill outside. And I think I've talked about my grill because it fucking rules. So it's it's been a little weird. I, like, okay, for example, last night, we got uh, a large pizza for takeout, the lovely Laura and I, and we both dined on that. We ate half a pizza. Very good. It was respectable showing, considering. So then this morning, you know, we talked about it, and we decided for lunch, we were going to have pizza. So I fired the grill up, you know, I let it get up to about 400 or so, and then, uh, you know, I got a cookie sheet out that fit in the grill, And grilled me up a pizza. Wicked freaking annoying. But it did work out, and it came out good, actually. It was like using an oven. So, I don't know, if you've ever been through, like, this kind of, like, pain in the ass, uh, what do you want to say, just inaccessibility issue, eh, this is nice. This is nice. So, it should only be a few more weeks, and then we'll have a kitchen again. Yay! Yeah, it's been a pretty dull week other than that, you know what I mean? I mean, and that's not dull. It's kind of a pain in the ass, actually. You know, we had to buy an appliance yesterday. Yesterday was expensive. That's what I'll say about it. (laughs) Goddamn stove. (laughs) Yeah, we got to replace the stove. That costs a lot of money if you've ever bought a stove. And they all look the same and fucking the stores aren't open and, you know, nobody wears masks if you go to Lowe's and ugh. Whatever. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's been frustrating lately, but uh, here we are doing a podcast. We're relaxing a little bit. Hope everybody's having fun. I'm downstairs in the basement studio. Uh, It's kind of cool down here, which is nice because it's hot as balls outside. And uh, I can see that the live studio audience is definitely enjoying the uh, cool air of my basement. Yes, very exciting. So, Why don't we talk about what we're going to be reading today, because it's a long one. We're going to be reading chapter 20, like I mentioned earlier. It comes in at 167 lines. So this is another one that's a little bit of a stretch. I feel like uh, that's not too bad, though. We're going to keep moving through this pretty quick, I think. Um, You know, I don't think this is going to turn into an hour episode unless I keep rambling, you know. And who knows, at the end of this episode, I might have some things to say. 
Probably not. <sighs> Sometimes I'm a little lost as to what we should talk about, but whatever. It doesn't matter, right? So, um, I don't really have too much to talk about. I, you know what? It's kind of a bummer nobody's writing into the show. You guys got to write in, or I have no, you know, just, I need some feedback, right? I, you guys know what's going on in my life. I want to know what's going on in your life. Am I right? Okay. So, with that little, you know... I did listen to another podcast a long time ago. I think it was the Linux Action Show, and that's because I'm a big dork. And um, I remember the host got all bitchy one episode. He, what would his, what did he say? He was kind of saying that he, you know, he had a podcast network, and he said they don't get enough comments on the Linux Action Show. And oh, damn it! The dehumidifier turned on. One second. I always forget to turn that off. God damn it! Okay. So anyway, he was saying on the show, you guys, this show doesn't have enough community involvement. And he started saying, like, we're not going to be able to do this. And I'm disappointed in these listeners. These you listeners need to do things. What the hell's wrong with you? He got like angry about it. I remember it was like almost accusatory, like it was our fault that we weren't participating or something. It was very strange. I stopped listening after that. And I think the show got canceled like maybe two weeks later. It was really weird, though. He made it sound like it was our fault and we were bad people for listening but not talking to him or something. So stupid. Anyway, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm more saying I just want to hear from you people. It's fun. That's all. We're just trying to have fun. And you can always give me instructions like don't read your name or all that kind of crap. But yeah, right into the show, jeffreadshisbook.com. And with that, let's dive in to chapter 20. So for today's episode, I am sipping on an ice-cold glass of Wild Turkey 101. Oh yeah, it's on the rocks. It is delicious. Mmm. Yeah. Strong stuff for a day where I went on like an hour and a half, hour 45 minute bike ride. And then I've been sweating all day. Although I did have beer with lunch, so that's something, right? <laughs> yeah. Not healthy to be doing this, but oh, it's so good. Mmm. And it's not good that I'm kind of thirsty, and I'm solving that with bourbon. Yes. So, Wild Turkey 101, so fucking good. I bought this this week just because I had run out, and I think I had some meetings that I had to go to in the evening, and I needed a drink after that kind of crap because I get, I don't know, I want to, I don't want to say irritated, but irritated. I get irritated. <laughs> so, and it was fine, but I just need a drink afterwards to like calm me down at like 9:30 at night so I can go to sleep, you know? Yeah. So, all right, let's let's read. How about that? Let's read. I've been babbling. I got my booze. We're ready to get cooking. Margot awoke to sunlight streaming through one of the room's southern windows, and Henry, lying and facing her, still fast asleep. Oh, lazy Henry. She still wore the clothes from the previous day. That's right. Yeah, because uh, she passed out on the bed. Uh, though Henry had made a sad attempt to pull some covers over her. She pushed the soldier of the shirtless man beside her, and Henry stirred, peeking at her through one eye. What? he asked. What's wrong? Nothing, she laughed softly. I'm awake. Hee <laughs> hee. Is that a nice soft laugh? <laughs> <laughs> that's great henry said both eyes closed we'll stop and get a ribbon for you later today <laughs> shut up she laughed and i opened again first one awake award goes to margot lafleur i said shut up she said still laughing 
Should I go yell it to the adoring crowds? Both eyes were open now. I mean, everyone should probably know that you're awake. While she laughed, he actually did rise from bed, groaning and walked to a window. I think walked to a window? Okay. While she laughed, he actually did rise from bed, groaning, and walked to a window. Okay. He made a show of throwing the curtain open and unlatching the window, and then he slammed it shut. A little cold for you? No, it's not that, he said, turning around. It's just that there is an adoring crowd outside. Her laugh subsided slowly as she noticed that Henry wasn't laughing. What do you mean? I would just peek if I were you. Peek spelled wrong, of course, like a mountain peak. Okay, all right. Or I would just peek like, uh, I don't know. You know, I was trying to think of something like how you peek in your, like, uh, physical abilities or something. You know, eh, all right, whatever. (laughs) Couldn't come up with a joke. Why don't we just move on? It's not even a good spelling error. All right, uh, I would just peek if I were you, Henry suggested, and stepped aside. Margot rose from the bed and slowly walked towards the window. When the angle finally allowed her to see the ground, she indeed saw a street clogged with people in front of the inn. Oh dear, she said. So I think we're going to want to leave quickly, Henry suggested. This kind of good attention is sure to bring bad attention on us eventually. I'll go see if Leonid and Benbow are awake. Wow, he has really taken this, like, smooth and cool, isn't he? Jesus. (laughs) I'll just see if they're awake and we'll get going, huh? Henry stepped out of the room. Casting a simple spell, she stepped in front of the window and looked out at the crowd below. It wasn't enormous by any means. Maybe a hundred people, she guessed. Guess. (laughs) Not guessed. (laughs) But she could see people joining the crowd. She could also see the city guards on the outskirts, a few on horseback, looking on ominously. Ooh, she wasn't confident they were here purely for crowd control. This is a, uh, inopportune time to be reading this chapter. <laughs> With the crowd control police. <laughs> All right, you know what, though? Fair enough. It's going to go. We're fine. Yeah. All right. I don't want to make light of actual life, so that's what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, okay. Um, While she looked on, she could see one man on horseback give some sort of command, and four armor-clad guards, armor-clad, very nice, started into the crowd, pushing their way to the center, the entrance to the inn. She sighed irritably. Wow, she's pretty, like, smooth and cool in this operation also. Hey, oh, he was still shirtless, I was going to (laughs) ask. Henry came back in still shirtless. I was going to ask if uh, if he was still shirtless. We've been watching um, Trailer Park Boys. I mean, we've never seen it before, so we're on, like, season three of whatever they have, like, 15. Goddamn, fucking that Randy, the assistant weekend trailer park supervisor... (laughs) Always shirtless is so funny. Anyway, okay, let's keep reading, shall we? I want a drink. We're going to stop and have a drink. Uh-huh. Henry came back in, still shirtless. Leonid and Benbo were downstairs. They said, Put a shirt on, she interrupted, grabbing into nothingness, producing a shirt, and throwing it at him. As he struggled into it, she said, We're going to have company in a moment. 
Seriously, Henry groaned. Uh, seriously? Henry groaned. <laughs> Below them, Margot could hear muffled shouts, some bumping, and struggling. Great. Now we're not going to have breakfast, Henry said, throwing the door open. Henry, wait, she called, but he was already into the hallway. Damn it, she cursed quietly. Wow, language, Margot. Jeez. When she reached the top of the stairs... She could see Henry at the base. His greeting was, of course, What the hell is this? That's in quotes. That's what Henry said. An unseen man said, Sir, please place your, ha- place your hands behind your back. You're under arrest for harboring a known fugitive. Margot quickly cast an unseeing spell and crept, creeped. I think it should be crept. Creeped isn't a real word, right? We heard that, uh, what was that? Is that, um, who do, does that song, And So I Creep? Is that TLC? <laughs> that was on the radio the other day. And so I creep, yeah. Okay, there's my singing for the episode. <laughs> wow, this 101 must be strong. Let's have another sip. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, okay, Margot quickly cast an unseeing spell and creeped down the stairs, which is not a word. Fugitive? What fugitive? And why is everyone in cuffs? Henry cried. Margot saw crossbow lifted. (laughs) I could have got an extra word. Margot saw a crossbow lifted and aimed at him while another guard approached. Sir, I don't want to use force, the approaching guard warned. Okay, well, this has been fun, but, Henry started, raising his right hand, he snapped his fingers and the crossbow's cord and the crossbow's cord. Oh, oh, okay. I couldn't even understand what I was reading. Raising his right hand, he snapped his fingers and the crossbow's cord across the room snapped, the bolt falling to the ground. The man approached, approaching dropped his cuffs and drew a sword. The crossbow holder slowly backed to the door and stepped outside yelling, Back up! Like, they need backup, not backup. Yeah. To the untrained eye, the disarmament of everyone present was a whirlwind, but Margot knew how Henry worked. His still-raised right hand shot out at the... Okay, sorry, this is hard to read, because it's so bad. (laughs) His still-raised right hand shot out at the approaching guard, producing an unseen force that threw him across the room and into a wall. Into the wall, sorry. Two more guards now charged, which earned them similar punishment via his left hand. He bolted across the room to the door, just as the crossbowman stepped back inside, and Henry landed a kick between his legs before launching him out the door, ow, that hurts, and over the crowd, which cheered. Finally, in one slow spin, all the cuffed people in the room, Leonid Benbow, the innkeeper, other guests, were free, iron cuffs clattering to the floor. Wow, that's a good trick right there, huh? As if, uh, wow, they're using iron cuffs, not zip ties, huh? Hmm. Do you think they have zip ties in the world of magic? I'm going to say no. I don't think they've mastered plastic making yet. Mm-hmm. As if he could censor, and she guessed he could, Henry yelled, Margot, give me something scary outside for the guards. 
Margot released her unseeing spell and to, to spell to the amazement of the innkeeper. Wow, does everybody forget she can do magic? Didn't her whole family do magic? God damn. Blah, blah, blah. To the amazement of the innkeeper, staff, and guests and thrust both hands towards the front of the inn. Fire erupted on the front porch to the horror of the innkeeper. It's not real, she said, patting him on the soldier. Illusion, nothing more. You'll see in a few moments. Why were there guards here? Henry asked Leonid and Benbow. Obviously to arrest Margot, Leonid said, because I read that weird. <laughs> Word got out pretty easily that you were here. Who ordered it? Margot asked. Your mother, Leonid said evenly. You were wanted for your father's disappearance, along with all the other northern lords. Margot was furious and getting ready to yell when Leonid put a hand up, continuing, Which is preposterous. That story is only being spread here as far as we know. Margot's anger subsided slightly, and she tried to focus on the situation at hand. Benbo, where's the carriage? Two blocks north, my lady, ready to go, he replied confidently. Where's the back entrance to this place, she asked the innkeeper. This way, my lady, the innkeeper said, rushing behind the bar and into the kitchen. She followed closely, and she heard the other three hurrying behind her. The kitchen opened into an alley behind the inn that was empty at first glance. You can head to the right and turn around the side of the inn, but, uh, okay, it'll take you back into the street. Hopefully you can disappear into the crowd, the innkeeper explained. Thank you, sir, Margot said. You're a good man, and I'll make sure the king further compensates you for all your trouble. Ugh, now that's a good bonus of having a king, being further compensated. Still no drinking break, still another drinking break for me, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. I am thirsty. Nothing solves that like 50% alcohol. Um, um... It was an honor, my lady. Uh, thank you, sir, Margot said. You're a good man, and I'll make sure the king compensates you for all your trouble, blah, blah, blah. It was an honor, my lady, the man said, stepping back inside and closing the kitchen door. Margot considered trying some simple spells to hide them, but she realized that these people knew who they were looking for. A simple cloaking or disguise would be detectable quickly by any mage. They needed something more practical. Reaching into her nothingness, she pulled out a bright floral scarf. Ugh. She tied it around her head to hide any sign of her hair, while the other three stood waiting. Benbo, in particular, though, wore a confused look. Where did that come from, my lady? Wait, I, does Leonid know about this? I feel like he didn't, but I'm not going to check up. I mean, he does now, I guess. <laughs> he might just be hard to impress. He seems like a douche. Um, where did that come from, my lady? He asked. We'll explain later, she said. Come on, we need to just quietly walk away from here. The guards on horses were on the other side of the crowd, so maybe we'll get lucky. They turned the corner, and Margot could see the street ahead through the cramped alleyway. They all tried to walk calmly. As the approached the street, <laughs> they could hear the crowd, rowdy now due to the appearance of of the building burning down. Between us, Henry whispered, and Margwax fell in behind 
him with Benbow and Leonid following. Oh, oh. He- oh, but between us, Henry whispered. He's trying to get Margot to stand in between him, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Margot misspelled, of course. A few people now turned to look down the alley, seeing them coming. She heard Henry point a thumb behind them, saying, Tried the back door. Don't bother. It's locked. Ha <laughs> ha. They seemed to disregard him after that statement. At the end of the alley, Henry peered around the corner. Margot leaned out after him and saw her illusion fading. More guards had arrived at the inn, including a pair of mages. Uh-oh. And they were all trying to file inside. Nobody took notice of their small troop as the pushed first into the crowd and then towards the outskirts. Oh, so not the. They they pushed into the crowd. Yeah, all right, well. Margot thought she was receiving a look or two as they worked through the crowd, but the four emerged unscathed and unrecognized after a few moments, stopping on the outskirts to look back at the crowd that was quickly turning on... uh, the guards. Okay, Benbo, where are we going? Margot asked. Not she asked, sorry. Two blocks north, my lady, he said. If we head this way a bit... They'll have found the carriage, don't you think? Leonid asked. Oh, I doubt that, sir, Benbow laughed. A very resourceful stable boy happened to have some blue paint. Your family seal isn't visible any longer. Margot could see Leonid's face turn red, so she quickly stepped in. That's a very good plan, Benbow, she pointed out. They treat Benbow like he's a four-year-old. This is so stupid. All right. I'm sure Leonid can have the carriage paint fixed when this is all over at minimal cost. Right, Leonid? Margot watched him deflate while Henry slapped Benbo on the back, laughing. Yes, I suppose I can fix it later, Leonid admitted. The foursome headed away from the crowd that was quickly turning to an angry mob. They walked briskly, since, in a short time, the guards would realize they were no longer there. Drinking break! A real one, too. Yay! <laughs> mm. That was not nearly as exciting as I thought it was going to be. But I haven't finished, so maybe it'll get more exciting. Which it surely won't, but whatever. Mm-mm-mm-mm. It's so good. Okay. Henry thought the carriage looked pretty good considering the quick job a stable boy had done covering up the Zinth family seal. Leonid, of course, frowned at his carriage, and Henry could understand why he might be peeved. I like that, peeved, huh? <laughs> he was still unsure whether a carriage of this size would be able to exit Twilight Crossing without being noticed or stopped by guards. Benbow was chatting with a stable boy while Henry, Margot, and Leonid headed for the carriage itself. Henry stopped Margot and said, We should give him a big tip, right? Well, apparently Margot's a bad tipper. <laughs> Margot no- Margo looked at the stable boy, whose hand still showed signs of blue paint, and she nodded. Walking over, she removed her scarf and fished some coins out of her pants pocket. Well, what did the scarf have to do with that? (laughs) Though he couldn't hear the conversation, the stable boy was clearly thrilled at what she had given him. He hoped she had told him to be quiet. He hoped she also told him to be quiet. God damn. 
They were moving down the street moments later, and Benbow had assured them they would not be stopped, thanks to a bit of a roundabout route in the presumed chaos in front of the inn. Ooh, so tricky! Because Twilight Crossing had no city gates, Henry was confident they could slip away rather quickly. And that ends chapter 20! So what did you guys think of that chapter? I thought it was very exciting. I think it could have been more exciting. Like, it harkens back to, if you listened to the podcast before, uh, in Bringing Balance, when they escape the inn that uh, Stephen works at, yes, who's now king, of course, right? Uh, When they escape that inn, this is, you know, I guess moderately similar, but not really Um, I guess they kind of had something similar happen. It wasn't much of an escape because, you know, we endowed Henry with invincible powers effectively. But um, when they were in uh, home, not homecoming, I'm sorry, Offworlder and they were walking home and after the book ended and they were kind of, or the story or the the plot. Well, goddamn. All right. In Offworlder, where they freaking were walking home after they dispatched the people doing all the evil in the book, and Margot and Henry were going to get arrested, and they slipped out the back, and Henry and Margot professed their love for each other, and it, ugh, yeah, that scene, I guess, was kind of an escape, maybe, sort of, I don't know, it was, that's, that's a long shot, I think, <laughs> but this one... It was okay. It was okay. I wish there was more excitement. And I thought, like, the fire, that she made it look like the building was on fire. I thought there was more description of that. Like, it kind of went on longer, but it didn't at all. Yeah. And I'm glad Henry was only shirtless. Am I right? Oof. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they just walked to the uh, public parking garage and picked up the carriage and took off. And we're going to see what happens next. Very exciting, right? So the guards came to arrest Margot. Ooh, she's a fugitive. Very exciting. Ooh, I love it. Okay, so at least there's some semblance of a plot here, right? I guess. I don't know. Uh, I'm starting to worry how this book's going to go. It's not going to get particularly better. Well, what are you going to do? All right. I got us three discussion questions that I need people to write in and give me the answers to here. Okay. So, uh, discussion question one. All right. So we all saw that, uh, Henry had to get up and he went to the window and he looked out over the adoring crowd and he wasn't wearing a shirt, right? We covered that. Question one. What about you? Do you sleep shirtless? Hmm? Huh? I have been lately. I feel like I, what, it was like warm in February for a day, and I just went with it from then on. So, it's something a little bit like, uh, it's nice, it's nice. I don't, what do I want to say? Sometimes with some sheets, it can be very itchy to be shirtless, but, eh. I had like, uh, so I have these two pajama shirts that I sometimes would wear to bed, and one of them, without fail, would cut off circulation of one of my arms. So I would always wake up in the middle of the night, like three in the morning, and I'd be like, oh, my arm, it hurts so much. 
but then I wouldn't be able to move it because it was effectively dead because the shirt had like just cut it off. That might be a nerve thing too. And I'd try to like flop it around and try to get it flowing again. Oh, and it would turn to pins and needles, but it took a while to get that even to happen again. So I'm glad that my body wakes me up if I cut off circulation to a limb. Jesus. So I obviously don't wear that one to bed anymore. Although I wore it last night, just not to bed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah, what do you, do you go shirtless to bed? Right into the show. It's so exciting and so pertinent to the story. All right, question two. So Henry comes down and he's furious that he's not going to get breakfast, right? When the guards are in the inn. Yeah. So what were they going to have for breakfast? What do you think? At an inn, what are they serving for breakfast? I'm going to say you get eggs to order. You know what I mean? Like Bob Evans. Probably potatoes. This seems like a potatoes kind of place. Planet, whatever. Maybe toast as well. Definitely no vegetables. I don't think there's any veggies involved in this. So, But eggs to order, I think for sure. Maybe a bacon? Or is that, that's probably like a massive upgrade. Well, that's just like real breakfast when you go to like, regu- you know, Bob Evans for breakfast. If you don't know what Bob Evans is, uh, I don't want to oversell it, but it's the most amazing breakfast restaurant ever. And so... You know, when you go to a breakfast place and it doesn't come with bacon, you're like, oh, I want the fucking bacon. So you spend the $2 extra to get the upgrade to bacon, and they give you two friggin' strips of bacon. Just, I mean, they're the long ones, don't get me wrong. Although, I think they're all the long ones, right? I might be alone in that my dad, when he'd cook bacon, or my mom, I don't know who started this system, would cut the entire pack in half. You know what I mean? So they weren't long strips, they were half length strips and we'd eat it like that and I still do that honestly but uh what was I trying to say oh so you go to Bob Evans they give you two strips of bacon and that's it that's all you get it was like a dollar a piece and that's actually why when I go out for breakfast I don't get the bacon because you get so little I mean what the hell's the point so I always go with like a sausage in that case yeah it's so annoying I don't know What were they going to have for breakfast? Can you think of anything else? I mean, I'm hoping it's not oatmeal, right? The stew of breakfast. Let's let's assume they were going to have something a little special, maybe, because Margot was in the end. Ooh, I don't know what it would be, though. Eggs Benedict? Ooh, there you go, huh? The chef whipped up a hollandaise sauce. That might be it. I'm going to go Eggs Benedict, hollandaise sauce and everything. Yeah. Okay. Question... Three. Okay, so they took a roundabout route so they wouldn't be found out while they're leaving the city, right? Have you ever done, like, one of those evasion tactics, like taking a roundabout route so you don't have to do something or see someone? I feel like when I worked in offices, that was, like, a constant activity. Like, well, where can I walk so I don't have to see this person or that person or, yeah. I, and it's hard, like, uh, if Glenn's listening, he remembers, like, at Analex, that building was freaking tiny. There was only, like, one hallway in it, maybe. I don't know. So you're not evading jack squat by walking a different route. There's there's two routes. You're not, it's not helping. But, like, um, so that's a bad example. Uh, I feel like I would do that sometimes at uh, the job after that. But, again, it was... You know, it was like a big open office area, and I had a cubicle. There was no one to avoid, I guess is what I'm saying. Everybody was just in everybody's shit, so that one doesn't count either. But when I was like a a student and when I was a contractor at NASA, yeah, that's right, folks. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? But 
Don't worry about it. Uh, that gave like, that's like the ideal place to avoid people because it's so big, like uh, NASA here in Cleveland, Ohio, very large, um, highly abandoned, right? So it was built to, you know, support like 6,000 workers and there isn't even anywhere close to that anymore. So you could really find some interesting ways to get around. So you didn't have to see people you knew or who liked to talk too much or wanted to have lunch with you. Just avoid that shit. So... Yeah, I mean, I would do that there, I feel like, quite a bit. Ah, yeah, yeah. But I was also bored there quite a bit as, like, a worker when I was a contractor. So sometimes I would, like, uh, that's not fair. I mean, the work was interesting, but I was in an office by myself most of the time. Especially when my office mate got laid off. There you go. See, that was bringing down that workforce faster. Yeah, if you get a chance to be a contractor, yeah, just don't do it because it fucking blows. Anyway, so I mean, it was just lonely, so I'd get bored, so you might as well walk around. I remember they abandoned the, what, top two floors of the building I was in. It was um, Building 500. It also, uh, a.k.a. Slaughterhouse 500, apparently, because it gave everybody cancer. Yeah, fun place to work. But, uh they like NASA moved its civil servants out of the building. They occupied a couple floors. And so it was just us contractors there. The place was just barren all the time. So I remember a couple times I went up to the third floor. If nobody was around, why not? Oh, and there was like a creepy abandoned uh, cafeteria in the basement too. And they never bothered to take down any like the plaques commemorating this and that. It was such a, what a shithole. God damn it. It was so bad. Anyway. Yeah, that what I didn't even know what I was talking about. Oh, trying to evade people. That place was easy to do, but I didn't really have anybody to ev- evade per se in that building. I feel like this was more common for me in college where I would take weird routes home so I wouldn't have to speak to anybody because, you know, I'm probably, what, I get that social anxiety pretty bad sometimes and I don't want to talk to people. So that's why working from home is so fantastic. Yes. So anyway... Uh, those are our discussion questions right into the show. Go over to jeffreadsbook.com. There's three ways to contact me there. Use any one you want. Just give me a little shout out or whatever. And you can see, just tell me what you think is going to happen in this terrible story. Or, you know, if you like Margo or you say, hey, what's Margo's phone number? I want to date her or Henry for that matter. He is kind of invincible. So yeah, I, I could, I feel like we could make like a, uh, Marvel Universe-esque, like, uh, whole collection of movies out of these books. I think that would work fine, right? It's just as stupid. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work. (laughs) Wow. So I'm just comparing myself to, like, something beloved by, you know, countless people. But I don't like it, so I get to make fun of it. Whatever. Who cares? If you do like Marvel Universe or Expanded, I don't know. What the heck? What do you people call it? I've never seen any of the fucking movies. Anyway, write in to jeffreadsbook.com and you can tell me what you think and all that shit. And uh, maybe I'll read it on the air. Yeah, that'd be fun. So, I got a little bourbon left. Pretty watered down at this point. It's got about an ice cube's worth of water. Mm. Mm. I got some laundry to fold because I heard the buzzer. Maybe you did too at home. I know everybody in the live studio audience did. So we're going to have a little audience participation activity that's called Folding Jeff's T-shirts and Laura's T-shirts. Yeah, I think some of hers made it in there. So anyway, until next time, 
keep on reading. Mm-hmm.